Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. In Prophecy in the End Times, we're looking for the signs of the coming of the Lord. And in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, the Lord specified about his coming again and the end of this age. One of the things that's dominant in the news right now is five red heifers that have been shipped to Israel, uh, there to Jerusalem for a sign of the building of the third temple. Now, of course, 586 uh, BC, we find that the temple was destroyed there of Solomon by Nebuchadnezzar. Then in 70 AD, then we have the, the temple again destroyed uh, there and by Titus, son of Vespasian. And many are looking for a third temple. Now we're going to discuss some of the things in the Word of God that give us insight about the spiritual significance. Now we're going to see that the red heifer is a perpetual statue. That's true. Just like the Sabbath is a perpetual covenant. And that stands forever. But there's a spiritual side to that. For example, let's take a look at the Word of God and in Numbers 19, what the red heifer was for and the waters of separation and for cleansing and purification. It says it's a purification for sin and it gives the red heifer the only time a female cow is used and must be a certain color. And of course, immediately we make red blood, but it's also a type of the fruit harvest coming to full time of harvest. And it states there in Numbers 19, uh, this law of the waters of separation for the purifying of the unclean. And it spoke to Moses and Aaron, the Lord did, and said, this is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord commanded, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, so that they bring you a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and a phone which never came a yoke. Now, since then, they've added more, that if a bird ever landed on a red heifer, or there were different colors of hair in the red heifer, or whatever, it would be disqualified. And they're stating that over all the years, there that only nine red heifers were used uh, totally. And Mamanides, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, a priest uh, prophesied that the tenth red heifer would be offered by the Lord himself. Now, when we take a look at the scriptures and a perpetual statute, uh, just like the law, uh, stating that the Sabbath was a perpetual covenant, we need to take a look at it and see that the Lord himself fulfilled all of these, which were a shadow of things to come, and at the cross took everything that was natural, in a natural law with a natural people with natural boundaries, and lift, uplifted it to a spiritual law of life in Christ Jesus. And he stated that. 
that the law would state. If a man committed adultery, then let him die the death. But Jesus stated, if a man looks on a woman only to lust after her in his heart, he has committed adultery already in his heart. Now that you see as a spiritual significance. Under the law, you're not to murder. But yet, in the spiritual sense, we can murder a person uh, there with words and commit spiritual murder. Well, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there is a spiritual uplifting of that natural law. It changed at the cross. He did not do away with the law. He fulfilled it and brought it to a higher level. Now, with that said, we take a look at the significance of it. The red heifer was to be without spot, without blemish. So was Jesus. Uh, he was kept up as a spotless, blameless lamb of God. And four days before Pilate, Caiaphas, and Herod, just as the lamb of the first year was kept up four days and examined and then slain for the Passover. The preparation. Well, Jesus did the same. We also see that uh, the blood directly before the congregation was sprinkled seven times. Seven being completion, God's perfect number. We also see it was offered uh, and kept the ashes of the red heifer outside the camp. Well, Jesus was crucified outside the camp. Uh, all of these uh, there were completed and uh, perfected in Christ Jesus. But what is the significance of it today? Now, let's take a look at it on the spiritual side, not just the natural, but the spiritual as well. It states there that in Numbers 19, that in verse 10, it says, And he that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until the evening, and it shall be unto the children of Israel and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them for a statute forever. This is an everlasting statute. Now we're going to see the same thing with the Sabbath. Now the seventh day was not named a Sabbath until the manna was given by God there from heaven and there were, they were together, uh, there an omer of the manna. And manna, very, uh, the very definition means, what is it? And this manna fell from heaven, which was angels' food, and they were together, an uh, omer of it through the week, but on that preparation for the Sabbath to get a double portion of it on that day. Well, it was stated to be a perpetual covenant. We see that in uh, uh, Exodus 31, and it states there in uh, verse 16, it says, Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Now let's take a look in the New Testament and this is actually before the cross that we're going to see Jesus and his disciples going through the field. 
And as he does, the disciples are going to gather the corn and they're going to eat it. And we see that in Matthew 12. Let's take a look at it. And at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day, stating definitely the Sabbath, through the corn. And its disciples were a hungered. They were hungry, and they began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. They're breaking the Sabbath. There are things that you do that you cannot do on the Sabbath day, a Sabbath day's journey. You can't uh, start a fire. You can't do these things on the Sabbath, because if you do, you break it. And he that gathered sticks in the Old Testament on the Sabbath day was stoned to death. Well, they gathered the corn. And Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was a hungered, and they that were with him? Now he entered into the house of God and did eat the shoe bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them that were with him, but only for the priest. That was there under the Mosaic law, not to be done. And David did it. Jesus is using this as an example. Many will tell you that the sign and sealing in Revelation 7 is simply keeping a natural Sabbath. Well, let's say, say Jesus is stating there and in defense of his disciples that they did eat that corn on that Sabbath day and the Pharisees pointed out it's not lawful for them to do that. Jesus refers them to David going into the temple and eating the shoe bread, which was not lawful for him to do. And then he goes on and says, only the priests were supposed to eat that. But Jesus goes on and says again, or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Now watch what he said. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. That's there. That's what to keep that temple clean, purified. Verse 7. This is uh, Matthew 12, verse 7. But if you had known what this meaneth, that Jesus is greater than the temple, is taking a spiritual uh, reference to a natural law for the natural temple and the natural priest. He says, but if you'd have known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. He said that they literally broke the Sabbath, but in the spiritual sense did not. They were guiltless, but not in the Pharisee's sight. Then he goes on and states why. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath day. He's Lord of the Sabbath day. We find the same thing again in Mark. When Mark, the second chapter, Mark gives his account of it just like Matthew did. And he said uh, there on uh, Mark 2 and verse 23, and it came to pass, that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. 
there again specified the Sabbath. And his disciples began, as they went, to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, to Jesus, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And they said, This man can't be of God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. There to literally condemn Jesus. And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was a hungered, he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the shewbread, which is not lawful to eat but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for men, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now will we keep a natural Sabbath? And that will cleanse us, or that'll be the sealing in Revelation 7. Many say there is, but we're going to see that it is not. So both the Sabbath, which is supposed to be a sign of sealing, there for the apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7, I'm told if you keep the, the Sabbath day, that is, it's keeping a natural physical Sabbath, that that's the seal. And we're told that the ashes of the red heifer there will sanctify and purify the temple that will be built again there in Jerusalem, the third temple. And is it the truth? Well, take a look at Colossians. Paul speaking about that, and he studied the law and under Gamaliel. If anyone knew the law, Paul knew the law. And see what he says. And he says that Jesus that we in this baptismal rite and water are buried with Jesus in baptism, wherein we're risen to with him through the faith of the operation of God that raised him from the dead. And that circumcision of the heart is by baptism. He goes on and says, And you being dead in your sins and, un and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He broke down the metal wall of partition. Now, notice what he says. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly triumphing over them in it. Then he goes on and clarifies, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day, not even the high holy days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And that is profound. He's saying that, uh, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's saying that the ashes of the red heifer were fulfilled when Jesus broke down the middle wall of partition that parted God from man. And by doing that, now 
were not to be judged in these things because they were a shadow of things to come, and those things are the things of faith. Now the righteousness of God is by faith, not by the keeping of the law. In no respect. Now, whenever we talk about this temple that is to be built again, we need to take a good look at Second Thessalonians, Paul speaking again and talking about the second advent. He wrote to the church in Thessalonica and in First Thessalonians 4.17, talked about the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort you one another with these words. They thought the imminent return of Jesus was any second, any day, or at any time that he could go. So he thought it necessary to write, to set things in order, the second letter to the church at Thessalonica. And by doing so, he clarified things for us. And he stated that that coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him would not happen or come to pass until it come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. Now, but he talked about went on and he said uh, that the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he knew now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked one be revealed. But notice he said there's going to be a man of sin revealed. This man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposeth all that is God or that is worship, so that he that set it in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now notice that the man of sin, that he as God, Set it in the temple of God at Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, showing himself that he is God. Now, that temple there is not an iron, a brick and mortar temple. It is naos, just as Jesus stated in John 2, 19, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews thought exactly what most do today, that they're talking about a temple, the natural physical temple. So the Jews said, 40 and 6 years were they in building this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus spake of the temple of his body, naos, not an iron, and naos. In other words, the great literal spiritual body that we are, the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. Know you not that we are the temple of God. Then what does that mean? Well, we can also take a look at Revelation, the second chapter, talking about Pergamos. Now we have Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, but Pergamos, he mentions some things there that clarify to us exactly what he means about Satan dwelleth there in that Pergamos where Satan's seed is. Notice in second uh, the chapter of Revelation, and he talks about the church at Pergamos beginning uh, with verse 12. And he said to the angel of the church at Pergamos, write, 
These things, saith he, which hath a sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works. In every church, Jesus stated, I know thy works. Now, these are works that accompany salvation, which is the righteousness of God by faith with works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Jesus is looking for perfect works. That faith is made perfect. Now, with that said, he said, I know thy works. And where thou dwellest and where Satan's seat is. Now we find that in Acts 20, 29, that Paul stated immediately after my departure, grievous wolves shall come in, not sparing the flock, which are among you, among the church, not out in the world, but in the church, dwelling amongst us, bringing in damnable heresies. We find the same in Jude and the same in Peter's epistle. Whenever he talked about that, Jude talked about they were these men that were foreordained to this condemnation that had turned the grace of our Lord Jesus into lasciviousness. Grace reigns through righteousness. And the righteousness of God is by faith, and faith without works is dead. Therefore, we are to have faith, have her perfect works. Therefore, your faith is made perfect. There, he says, they're in Pergamos, where Satan's seat is. Where Satan, there, he said, the man of sin will sit. And he's talking about within the church in these damnable heresies, these doctrines of devils and seducing spirits, that these men are denying the only Lord God. Jude tells us that. Peter also, in his epistle, whenever he talks about the second Peter, the second chapter, says, verse 1, but there were false prophets also among the people. We're in the church, in the temple, where Satan's seat is, and says that these prophets also were among the people, even as there shall be false teachers where? Among you, in the church, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, not just some, but many, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. We also see that we have the same there in the, the epistle of Jude states the same thing. He says, for there are certain men crept in unawares, crept in where? Into the church who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord Jesus into lasciviousness. Unnatural, unlawful affections. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's right there in the church. 
That's where Satan's seat is. You notice that John goes on and tells us that he says, the Lord speaking, I know thy works. And he goes on and says, where Satan's seat is in Pergamos, and thou holdest fast my name. That's the church still holding the name of Jesus. And hast not denied my faith, even as in those days where in Antipas was my faithful mortar, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Satan dwells there? Yes. Now we are made to sit together in heavenly places. And there the body of Christ, the righteous souls, there the wicked one touches us not. The Lord uses a chastening rod and a staff there for chastening those that he loves, that we will not be condemned by the world. But here we find in the church, there within the body of Christ, these things that will literally have some fall away from the faith in the last days. When Paul speaks and tells us that in 2 Thessalonians 2, that second chapter, the Lord himself will send strong delusion that they all might be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What is this strong delusion that Satan comes with all signs and power of deceivableness with signs, miracles, and lying wonders? We see it again in Revelation 16, 13. The mind of Christ must be had and the sealing in the mind of Christ in Revelation 7 of the servants of God in our foreheads, or we will be deceived. In Revelation 16, 13, he said, there are three unclean spirits like frogs, which are the spirits of devils working miracles. Did we catch that? The spirit of devils working miracles. There, that coming out of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Here we're seeing that in these days, that's a trinity religion. Three unclean spirits like frogs. God is getting us through judgments to turn to the living God, to the true God and eternal life. We cannot stay in the rut that we're in with this denying the only Lord God. We have to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ who is a Jesus-only doctrine of Christ. And he states there that in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to these seducing spirits and these doctrines of devils. Where? Well, the ones that are in the church where Satan's seat is, where Satan dwelleth. And we're warned of that, that it were possible it would deceive the very elect. So we, in the body of Christ, are not to take these natural signs there in the natural way of a Sabbath or of red heifer or a natural temple because it's a spiritual temple, not an iron, but an aos. Just as we are told there that Paul uses that spiritual temple in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. Now, can they build a third temple? Yes, they can. 
Is it essential? No, it's not. Because Paul didn't use Iron, he used Naos, a spiritual temple. That's where Satan's seat is. That's where Satan dwelleth. And this man of sin, the son of perdition, will, will oppose all that is God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, joining himself that he is God. And that's where Satan's seat is, where Satan dwelleth in Pergamos. And we are to give them more earnest heed because uh, they're in the church, <clears throat> in the body of Christ. There will arise uh, father against son, mother against daughter, mother-in-law against their daughter-in-law. Because the Lord didn't come to send peace, but a sword upon the earth to set a man at variance. And he said a man's foes will be those of his own household. We're seeing that more and more as iniquity prevails in the earth. The woke ideology. Their narrative is a one-world globalist government that all will be through the riches of the abundance of her delicacies. It's a financial uh, investment that they will give all their soul and all that their soul lusted after to this mystery Babylon, the mother of hearts and abominations of this earth. The world there, this mystery Babylon, cannot wear the blue. She can wear purple. She can wear scarlet. And all there she's adorned with, but she cannot wear the blue because she'll never call Jesus the Father of glory, and he is the Christ, the God, the Father of all. And now God is warning us through his judgments to get us to turn to the living God, the true God and eternal life, the omnipotent, omnipresent, everywhere, um, uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God Almighty. That's Jesus only. You'll see it in 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. That Jesus Christ, the blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, almighty God, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. This is the day we're living in. We are many looking for only natural signs. We're looking for the, uh, the red heifer. We're looking for a third temple. We're telling that uh, people that this perpetual covenant of uh, the Sabbath is the sealing, where it is literally the seal in the mind of Christ, presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, only acceptable unto God, being not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mark of the beast is not a natural mark. Many think it's a chip in the forehead, an artificial intelligence. But you have to receive it. You have to receive this false ideology, this false gospel. And that is the number of the beast is the number of a man. And that man has a head of gold. He has a breast of silver. He has loins of brass and are legs of iron and feet of iron and iron clay. That's a man of the world. And there's the man Christ Jesus, the son of man, who he is the head and we are the body of the Christ. You're either in one kingdom or the other. You're either in the kingdom of his dear son, or we're in that kingdom of darkness. There is no middle. There's no straddling of fence. We either gather or scatter. We're either for or against. We will either be the holy of God, or we'll be the profane. It'll be the righteous or the unholy.
we must go on to perfection in the word of God, growing up in the Jesus and all things and all truth, which is the word of God. Notice the fathers that are sealed. In 1 John 2, 12 through 14, he said, I write in you fathers because you've known him. That's from the beginning. That him that's from the beginning is the word of God, and it's the word that's going to seal you. The word of God that you receive, that after you have received that word of God in the present truth, then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until you receive the promised possession. And there is different engravings of an engraver. It starts at birth, but it doesn't stop there. And if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we will continue to be sealed. Then we go from newborn babies to little children. Then uh, there's another sealing. Then it's a sealing according to the work, doing the will of God. And that's according to the will of God and the purpose that he's called us for. The final apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7 is doing uh, the will of God in his purpose in full grown uh, their eyes before and behind the eyes of revelation in the fountain of truth being before and behind in the fathers that are sealed that have not been conformed to this world but transformed by the renewing of their minds sealed in their foreheads with holiness unto the lord the word of god they're having that revelation there is no other way so we're not going back and under these things and being judged of holy days or new moons or Sabbath. But through the Lord Jesus Christ himself, there's one that will judge us, even the word that Paul said we preach. That is our judging. The books will be open, will be judged out of the book. And that is the word of God, the Biblion. So let us take heed, lest I promise slip any of us that would seem short of entering into his rest. We want you to contact us. There that this Dennis Beard Ministries, God has called us there, carrying us to the nations. There this great word that God is doing in this present day. The Lord's sailing his people now. It's through his word. And by receiving that word and receiving it, after we have received it, he's faithful and he will seal us according that that he said he would do, that he will lose none of his. And we will have that seal of Zerubbabel as a signet, that we will be those two sons of old, emptying out of ourselves the golden oil through the pipes, feeding the church of the living God in the seven lamps. God's calling us forth now, that Revelation 7, that he is that sealing going on, and uh, we sing in Revelation 11 that he gives power to his two servants. That's the two olive trees, the two candlesticks, the church of the living God that have come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Let's don't be deceived. Well, give us a call. I look forward to hearing from you. Leave a message. I'll get right back to you. We'll look forward to working with you in the work of the ministry. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.